1: Hey everybody, welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson, and today we are in for a treat. Um, I am having my mentor on the show. And so this is a really cool episode because, um, by the way, my mentor is David Lindahl. Uh, David Lindahl's been in the multifamily game for such a long time. Um, he's, you know, he he teaches, he coaches I've bought every program from him, and the reason that I am in this podcast is because David taught me the business. And so I've taken everything that he has, plus a lot of everything uh, from others, and I've put it together to make something of my own. And so today's episode is truly near and dear to my heart, and I think you'll really like it. So buckle up, because we are going to uh, really talk about what's going on in the marketplace, how you're going to win in 2021 and what you should be looking to do and looking to buy in this marketplace. But before we get there, real quick, uh, got to give a couple shout outs to some people that went on to iTunes and left me five-star reviews. So this first one comes from Rubulent. He says, Corey is the man. Great show, great content, great operator, great man. Thanks, Corey, for providing so much value. I really appreciate that. The next one comes from Troy3458. What's the market like today? He goes, love, Corey. With COVID and the ever-changing market we are in, it's super refreshing to have a podcast that teaches how to make money in this market. And that's exactly what we're going to do today uh, is talk about how to make money in this market. But before we do that... A word from our sponsors
0: are you ready for retirement the majority of americans are not failing social security and dated financial planning practices put strains on many retirees finances 46 percent of americans admit they are not taking steps to prepare for the likelihood they outlive their retirement savings luckily it's not too late diversify your portfolio at Kahuna Investments, we partner with passive investors to create award-winning communities families love to call home. To learn more about our company and our process, go to www.kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room.
1: All right. Listen, we're back. Get yourself ready. Uh, we have we've we've got the the master in my opinion, the guy that taught me the game, uh, the the uh, Sholan, uh, you know, wizard master uh his kung fu is strong no other than my man David Lindahl hey David welcome to the show brother Corey what's going on man man I am so excited to have you on my podcast so this is a really neat treat because there was a time when I was the young Luke Skywalker and not saying that you're Darth Vader but (laughs) you were you were my mentor you were the one I was looking up to and um gosh what a journey! And if it wasn't for you, David, um, I would not be on this journey of. If you didn't write your book, by the way, yeah. Apartments of Millions, right? Um, yeah. Or multifamily millions. Multifamily millions. That was the book that changed my life. I, I read that book, and that led me to you, and um, and to ninety five million dollars of assets. How yeah, that's pretty sweet.
2: I think I was I was I was your starting point for sure. You would have done something. There's no doubt about that. I remember when uh, Jeannie came into my office and said, uh, "Hey, some guy from Phoenix wants to have lunch with you." And I was thinking, I was looking at my schedule, and I said, "Well, I'm not going to be in Phoenix for another six months, so you know it's going to be a while." She said, "Oh no, he wants to fly to Boston." It's like he wants to fly to Boston to have lunch with me. She said, "Oh yeah." I said, "When?" She said, "Thursday." I was like, "Thursday?" I said, "I said tell him yeah, let's see if he shows up." And you did.
1: <laughs> in fact, I don't think you—you you weren't expecting me to show up. I remember no. that? Because they're like, "Hey, he's here. He's in the office." <laughs> yeah,
2: I'm like, "Wow, he really showed up."
1: That was a crazy. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was, I was, I was so hungry. I remember look, thinking about that. I was so hungry, and I knew that apartments was the answer for me. Right? I was already doing single family fix and flips, and um, but I was just running like my with my head cut off. And I yeah. just knew that apartments would give me the cash flow life, right? Time and money, and um, and so that was why I was willing to to fly all the way out there because I knew that that you had, you knew things that I did not know, and I, yeah. and, I and I needed to get get into Plus, it. Plus, you
2: saw the opportunity. You know, some people see it right away. Some people never see it, unfortunately. But I saw it when I saw that interview with Harry Helmsley on Biography. You know, when he said, and I hadn't owned an apartment before. And, he said, uh, he, Harry Helmsley lived in New York City, started with nothing, ended up owning the Empire State Building. And the interviewer says, Harry, what is it about apartment buildings that kept you going? Harry said, I always liked the idea that a group of people would pool their money together and give it to me so I can buy the building, so I could pay for the maintenance guy, so I don't have to swing a hammer, so I could pay for management companies to manage them, so I don't have to deal with the tenants. And they give me so much money, I have extra money at the end of the month that I put in my pocket. And I was like, holy crap, if that's true… I want in. It's like, I saw it. And I remember I was telling everybody that's what I was going to do. And they're all like, you're crazy. You know, you lost it. You smoked too much reefer when you were in that band. No, <laughs> some people see it and some people don't. But yeah. you did. You know, and the, the best part about, you know, people like you is the fact that you're going to do it. I mean, it didn't matter. You saw it and you're going to do it. it. didn't matter what obstacles came in your way. You you're just going to do it.
1: Yeah. And I really think I, that, that, that. Is, that is the difference in successful people, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Like, you can tell. Like, I go by now and I see people – and it's, there's something different. There's, it's always like something off. But like you see that vision and tunnel, like so focused. And I see it in professional athletes. No, I mean no matter what uh, business it is, the ones that have it, they didn't become great by chance. It was because they had a, a drive. That's mm-hmm. that's that little extra that most of us have to get to that level.
2: Yeah, determination. It's the uh, you know, there's, everybody has their own set of limiting beliefs. And it's 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 at a, one particular point we decide that you're not going to believe that anymore. That this is what's going to happen next. Yeah. And you just keep making those steps towards that. A lot. The, the to, to do to do that too has to do with how you feed your mind. You know, I learned that a long time ago. You feed your mind good stuff, good things happen.
1: Yeah, it I remember what you're doing, but yeah, it really is. I mean, I, I remember just telling myself I was a multifamily, uh, you know, magnet, and money would come flow to me. And uh, yeah, that's before it was flowing, right? <laughs> yeah. And it, But it, t- it takes time. So, again, I just want to thank you so much from the bottom mm. of my heart. Uh, I know you know this, but truly, because of you, you've changed my life. And uh, what a great feeling, because I, I know I've got some successful students, and it's really cool to see the growth and what they did. And and for yeah. me, I just want to make sure that you know, changed my life forever. I'm living the my best life right now because you decided to put enough crumbs and teach and coach and show <laughs> others right the way. So yeah. thankful. Uh, so today we want to talk about like the market because COVID hell it's cra- it's craziness. Got new administration. Um, how are we going to win this year in 2021, David?
2: Well, I'll tell you what the uh, you know the COVID opportunity. We have three three factors going on right now. We had the COVID, uh, coronavirus crisis that's happening. We got the correction that actually started happening back in February, but we thought gonna, it was going to really start happening after the election. But it started happening in February, so those two things combined creates an opportunity. And then thirdly, we've got uh, Gen Z, which we've got you know seventy million people, a bunch of them coming of apartment renting age right now. So we've got demand in the marketplace at a time where supply is going to be stagnant because of the fact of what's going on what's going on because of COVID. So the, so the, so there's two opportunities, you know, emerging markets is my thing, you know, teach people how to invest in them. That's great. But the opportunity that COVID creates is going to be in everybody's backyard because it's going to be an opportunity created by people that never really learned how to asset manage their properties properly. You know, buying the deals is sexy, you know, raising a million dollars is sexy, but managing the deals, asset managing or even property managing is the worst, but asset managing, that's not so sexy. And a lot of people chase after the acquisition fees you know, and they go from deal to deal to deal looking for those fees. And then they kind of push the property off. And in a rising tide, you know, when the markets are up, when we're emerging, most of the markets in the United States were emerging, your your mistakes are corrected by the emerging market. You know, the cash flow increases, you make a mistake, that's okay, because the cash flow corrects it. But then when the market changes, that's when the naked man at the, at the beach at low tide becomes exposed. Uh-oh. <laughs> yep. And that's what's happening right now. Uh, so those people never really learned how to asset manage their properties properly. Um, because of COVID, you know, they they may have gotten into properties that they didn't buy properly. Uh, a lot of the C, C plus, uh, some B minus assets. Those are the ones that that are at the highest risk. Uh, those are the ones that that appear to give the highest returns when you're first starting out as well. Um, and those are the ones that those people bought. And those are the people that lost their jobs during COVID. So, yeah, they ran into a situation where now you got the, the income's going down. They stopped doing the maintenance. When they stop doing the maintenance, the good tenants start moving out because they're not going to put up with that. They can't replace good tenants with good tenants because the maintenance not done on the property. So, the good people won't move into this place. Now, this happens over time, it's not overnight. Um, but, um, and but it's so,
1: happening right now. That's oh, if, now
2: we're nine months into it. Yeah, yeah now yeah, we're sure. almost a year into it. So, it, it has happened. This This opportunity is in full fruition right now. It's happening. But we recognized this right at the very beginning. We saw this was going to happen. So you, do you remember the micro repositioning uh, uh, yeah. course I thought? Yeah. That's what this is. This is going to be a, a, a huge number of micro repositionings in the marketplace right now. And I'll explain that uh, micro repositioning in a minute. But anyway, so as uh, this is like the death spiral of, of, of marginal owners. All right. So the and so they they better not, the and and they're
1: not well capitalized either. Right. Like, so if that's they right. That- well, that's
2: what happens. Yeah. So the mar- so they replace they can't replace the good tenants with good ones. So they get marginal tenants in there. The marginal tenants have a higher turnover rate. So that increases the expenses. The revenues continue to drop as well. They start to drop the rents to get anybody in because now they're realizing they got to pay the mortgage. Forget about the expenses. They got to pay the mortgage. And then uh, it, it becomes decision time you know, uh, eventually, and then they got to decide whether or not they're going to give up that property. The smart people realized that they weren't good asset managers, and they weren't going to be able to handle this crisis, and sold early. Now we've got the people that are just trying to hang on. And um, I got um, uh, CoStar Analytics sent uh, out an email a couple of months ago. They talked about the fact that 13% of all the CMBS loans are going to be coming back to the market. And they predicted that they're going to be sold at 60% below the loan value. I mean, uh, 60% of the loan value. Wow, And and they're going to be coming in in a wave. Uh, So we probably got like a three or four months wave of these properties coming in. Uh, They already started to trickle in. The wave hasn't happened yet. Uh, But that's just CMBS. We also have Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae, some FHA, but mainly Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae, who also have, you know, the same amount of of problems uh, in their deals as well.
1: So well, that's funny. a real opportunity here. Yeah, because I'm actually going to um, – where am I going? I'm going to somewhere outside of St. Louis, Ed- Edwardsville in Illinois, it's just right outside of the of St. Louis, to go look at a student housing complex that's bank-owned, right? Yeah. Like, And so the, it already f- fell back into the bank's hands, and I'm going to be able to maybe buy it at a fraction of what they paid for it, and it's pretty much a new build.
2: 60% of the loan amount. Imagine that. I mean, not at the purchase price, but 60% of the loan amount. That's what most of these deals are going to trade at. And they're going to come in a tsunami uh,
1: yeah. pretty soon. Yeah, and, and that really is the truth, though, too, because that, that is the scenario that you see. And I to back that up, too, is all that, you know, everybody, the big buzzword is, you know, apartments, right? That's been like for the last three, two or three years. Everybody that I know that's in single family uh, fix and flip and chunkers and stuff like that, they all want to talk about apartments, right? And so there's been a massive wave of what I call newbies that, that, you know, bought a course and, and whatever, but they really didn't study the part of operations. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Of, of That's where the real money's made. It's not in just the buying and, and getting that acquisition fee and some of that stuff. It's really about, that's the piece that a lot of, you know, new operators they're, they're just failing. And again, like you just said, it's a tsunami getting ready to happen
2: uh absolutely and the best part is it's going to happen in everybody's backyard you know there's going to be these deals but you have to know which deals to look for that's the important thing too it's not just like you know the difference in a down market you're gonna have gold mines you're gonna have land mines you know and to be able to tell the difference it's going to be key because if you buy some landmines, like in my first market cycle, I was just buying up everything I could. Anything I saw, the cash flow is like, I'll buy, I'll buy, I'll buy. And then when the market changed, you know, and I was the naked man at the beach, I was like, holy crap, you know, some of these deals aren't going to work out. And and I had four deals out of, I think it was 22 that I had syndicated during that particular period of time. Four deals that were, were going upside down. It was like I had to focus all my time on those deals. So during that down market, I couldn't take advantage of the down market. I was, I was focused on my deals so I wouldn't lose them. Yep. Uh, so I learned my lesson there. So you, you really need to know what to look for. Uh, on this particular one, going back to the micro repositionings, Yeah. Um, for anybody that's not familiar with that term, uh, micro repositioning, I, you know, doing all the deals I've done since 1996, I've syndicated over 40 plus deals. Um, but uh, I at the end of the year, I'd always take a look at my deals and I would figure out, what you know, did I hit my targets? The ones that I sold, did I hit my targets? If I did great, if not, why not? Uh, and then in doing that analysis, I realized that there were some deals that I just really hit out of the park. And as the years went by, I, I would realize that they had uh, some things, a lot of things in common. They weren't, a, they, they weren't a true momentum play where you buy it at market, at market uh, occupancy, you buy it with a value add, you fix the value add, and then you, you win. Or it wasn't a repositioning where you buy it below 85% occup- occupancy, you know, uh, and um, it's not economically stabilized, so you have to get the different financing. But it was in between those two. It was these deals that were just going down below 90%, so that's a key. I'm going to give you each one of these keys for those that are listening. You want to buy these deals as they're going down below 90%. Um, the next key is the fact you want a B property in a B area because you don't. those are the best performing properties. And if you're buying C pro, most of us start out buying C properties because you can get them cheap per unit right? Yeah. But, you know, the B properties, they're not as cheap per unit, uh, but they give you a higher return. You know, you get less units per deal, but you, the, the returns are much higher and yeah. they're much more stabilized. They're much way good. more
1: stabilized. That, I found Apple. that too. You know, and the biggest the shift for me on that was when I first came in the market, I was like, man, I can only feel like I could raise this much money. And so I started at the C class. But once I learned how to uh, really uh, master capital raising, then I'm like, it made way more sense to buy B assets than to, to really just try to work on the C's. I found oh, yeah. I did a, a way better job.
2: It's a bet- it's a much better life, uh, and you have a much better relationship with your investors because there's not as much going wrong. You know those C assets are just worn uh, by the time you by the time you take them over. Um, so the other thing is you don't want a lot of um, uh, uh, outlay, uh, capital outlay. So it's typically anywhere between two to four thousand dollars per door. No major structural issues. And that right there is a recipe for getting a deal that you can take over as, as it's going down. Now, they've already lowered the rents because, you know, this is falling knife syndrome that I talked about before. So you basically take over the property. The first thing you do is you handle the uh, exterior repairs. You know, you make the, uh, the signage pop, the landscaping really pop, you know, uh, the, the, the parking, uh, the leasing office. And then you start, and then the tenants start seeing that. You take care of the uh, repairs and maintenance because that's been, you know, the number one reason why people leave it's not because of the rent. It's because of the lack of attention to the repairs and maintenance. So you start taking over that. But you, gotta, you don't just focus on the whole complex. You focus on the people that have the ability to, to move out in the next month or two. So you handle them. You take care of their stuff. They see the outsides being done. You, you, you try to get them to stay, but you put them on a six-month lease. You don't put them on a year. And you put them on uh, what the current rents are uh, because in six months, you can, you're going to be able to raise them up. So then you work your way through the complex. You do the exterior repairs. They're usually done in three to four months. You know, so now it's a matter of putting new leasing. Uh, The leasings are going to turn. You put them up the market, and then the new people come in. You put them up the market. Twelve to eighteen months later, boom.
1: If it's a hundred plus unit property, you just made a million dollars. Dude, easy like that. And that is the rest. That is the recipe, man. That is. That's it. And really, that's the funnest ones, right? That those are the ones that uh, I've got one like that in Yuma, where it's really, you know, I call it lipstick. I mean, we're not even doing anything major. We're just doing fixing the outside the slurry restripe, um our pool deck right and making the um, office look really pretty and nice and then um, and then we just put great management in there you know like service calls all that stuff and yep. we're getting um, a $50 bump in our market rents just because I mean we're not even doing anything in the interior that's let's just that and if we do interior stuff um, we can get actually almost $100 and, and that's huge Huge.
2: Yeah, sweet.
1: That's, that's, a, that's
2: a sweet upside value add.
1: Oh, my God. And it just fell in her lap. And that was one of those. It was that type of play where it was like 80, 85% occupancy, uh, bad seller, you know, bad. She'd owned it for a long time. And then she sold out her partners and she took all control. And then she hired a Section 8 management company to kind of manage this, uh, you know, market rent property. And they just, they didn't know what to do because they're focused on Section 8. That's what they understand. And it just, I mean, that was the curve. And yeah. so that's, and that's exactly what you just set up in this whole podcast is, listen, the tsunami's coming, but to be patient and buy the right choice deals, right?
2: Oh, yeah. Always buy the right deals. Uh, that's that's key. Like I said, you know, you don't want to be, end up like I did in my first market cycle and, you know, have to be worried about those, the four that aren't, aren't really uh, working out. But, hey, I want to say something about else uh, about these particular types of deals, too, because, you know, there's, there's deals that you buy for three to five years and then, you go, and then you flip them over and people that are trying to create wealth, that's, you know, the fastest way to create wealth is to buy in an emerging market or buy a micro repositioning. But then there's also these legacy deals that, that it's such a good deal that you want to hold on to it for a long period of time. A lot of these micro repositionings could, could uh, qualify as legacy deals. So when they do their B property in a B area, they're going to, you know, you can hold them for 10, 20, 30 years. You know, you think family offices, you know, you think about family offices that their hold times anywhere from 20 to 50 years, you know, they don't want to sell the deals. So in terms of a legacy property, you get a good one, look for ways to structure the the syndication so that you have the ability to buy out your partners at the refinance of the deal. And that's done. You know, you could offer them. uh, I know that, um, uh, you know, Maureen Miles. Yep, I know Maureen real well. So uh, I was talking to her the other day. One of the things that she's doing is she basically offers her her investors a higher return, a guaranteed return for the first few years, which is always risky. And then on the the refinance, a much higher return to refinance out. And then she owns the deal with the bank. And there's a lot of different ways that you can structure um, uh, exit financing like that.
0: At Kahuna Investments, we partner with passive investors to create award-winning communities families love to call home. If you want to learn more about our company and our process, go to www.kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room.
1: Yeah. So this is something I took this, you taught this from the very beginning. You've been teaching it forever, that piece. And 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 like I took that to heart. That was my biggest thing was how do I make the most amount of money um, for Corey as the syndicator? And I mean, I still want to pay my investors a solid return, but eventually I want to be able to own the whole thing. And, um, I've put that clause in every deal that I've done and it's worked out um, tremendously well um, because once you get your investors out, you actually own the asset, I mean, just by you and the bank and it's a beautiful, I mean, that really, it takes, it, it really creates the legacy part, right? When Because when you keep it for another five years or whatever it is and then you sell, a, that's another tsunami of cash yeah. that gets to show up in your bank account and, uh, it puts a smile on your face from here to Texas.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Absolutely. So on well, your
2: clause, what does it say? Does, do you give them a higher return to refinance them out of the you deal? Know,
1: or? David, you'd be actually you'd be proud of me. I do what I call a six and six. Um, I give a 6% PREF um, on cash flow, right? And then on yeah. the seller exit, uh, or refi or paying off or capital call, I only have to pay them another 6% um, annualized for as long as they've been in the deal. So I'm raising money at 12%, which is not bad. Yeah. And yeah. so that's how mine's structured. So I give them six pref. Um, if I don't pay it along, I still have to, have to make it up. And then it really it's kind of like a 6% pref on the back end, but just annualized for as long as they've kept it.
2: That just sunk in. That, that's an amazing deal for you.
1: Yes. So what's happened <laughs> is when you get to an exit on a one that you've really killed it, um, you know, let's say you, you've, you've raised, uh, we'll call it $2 million. So that's what, uh, 12,000, uh, six times, or 100, let's say a million. That's easy math for me, right? That's $60,000 um, that I have to pay every year to an investor. So times five, that's 300000 So I can exit out of a deal. Let's say I made four or five million. I only have to pay 300 k to exit out that capital, plus their principal, um, and I've paid them along the way in cash flow. And the rest is quarries. So awesome you know and this is part again it goes back from what you taught I, I truly believe like i felt like you've always set it up to like hey listen you want to take care of yourself along the way and yeah. so all i did was i just challenged myself to say he who can raise the lowest cost of capital wins and so i started off giving you know like truly eighty twenty, and then i asked my ppm lawyer hey can i just give a even though i want to give 50 i want to give him 50 percent ownership but i want to take uh you know, I want to define the payout of six percent on the front and six percent on the back. He goes, "Yeah, here's how we do it." And so he wrote the language, and that's what we do now. And um, dude, it's been the difference between good and great. Is like, and for for the right avatar, like IRA money, mm-hmm. people that are self-directed that are in the stock market, twelve percent wins all day. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's that's been great. it's been a that's been a cool ride. That's been a cool journey, and I feel like that was. Um, that really was. I mean, everything that you've taught me has been a continuation and just trying to tweak little things. To say, how how do I make it work for me? How do I get more depreciation? You know, for and not, how do I not pay taxes?
2: Yeah, how to lower your risk and how to increase your returns. That's what it's all about.
1: Yeah. Well, listen, man. Uh, it has been great uh, chatting with you. I'm super excited about this. How do people uh, that are on this podcast? Because listen, I'm going to let everybody know. Um, Dave Lendl is my mentor. Okay. And so he's in it for a reason. I think you've been doing it longer than anybody that I know. And, and from out of the gate, there was only a couple of people that were, now there's lots of guys that are doing it, but Dave, you've been doing it for a long time, my friend.
2: We've been teaching since, uh, investing since 1996 and teaching since 2002.
1: I mean, I remember I, dude, there was a time when I was in your gold coaching program that I got CDs like every week, like I'm telling you, I don't think anybody's ever worked harder than you. I've watched what you've put out. No one's worked harder ever, in my opinion, of of just putting out content, putting out all the things you've ever done, all the things you've created. There's nobody that has that database.
2: You know, the whole idea behind, uh, yeah, in terms of training, the whole idea behind the uh, when we started on the training program was to, you know, give value and help people do it. Because, uh, you know, like you, I'd been to many, many seminars when I first started out you know, three quarters of them were just a bunch of crap. They're trying to sell you more stuff. And a quarter of them were really good. And I thought when I started training after about 10 years of investing is that I wanted to be one of those really good guys. And the best, you know, the thing is, is when I started training, I only owned 800 units, you know, so between the time I was training uh, and, and buying, I get up to over 8,000 units. So as I'm doing it, I'm sharing with everybody what I'm doing uh, in order to get there. And that's how all that training got created.
1: Uh, that's, and I'm copying that success as well, my friend.
2: Yeah, it's been a good ride.
1: T- teaching, teaching as you go, and it's a lot of fun. So if people want to learn a bit more about your company and your education program, where, where do they go?
2: alright I'm going to give you three things. Uh, first of all, i got a podcast as well. It's called uh, Multi-Family Deal Lab, How Deals Get Done. Uh, and secondly, you can uh, get a free book from me at DaveToday.com. And then thirdly, uh, the name of the company is RE Mentor. So as in real estate mentor, mentor.com so one of those three. But go to the free book, uh, DaveToday.com. I'll get you the, the latest thing that we've created oh, to get it out to awesome.
1: you. Oh, that's super. Like, listen, if you're listening right now, you've got to take Dave up on that offer. Um, his books will change. He, a, he writes in a way. Uh, you're a great writer. You don't put a lot of um, crazy. Like, it's a common language that most people can understand. right? Yeah, I
2: write it. For, you could do, well, like the conversation that we're having, I mean, I wrote all of my books. So I woke up at 4 in the morning. I wrote for an hour uh, each day for four months. That was the first book. Did it again for the second book. Third book, I was like, "Holy crap, I don't want to do it again," uh, but I did it for the third one. But uh, yes, like having a conversation. Yeah, right.
1: Yeah, it is, and, and it makes it easy because, like, this it is complex. I mean, apartments is not super hard, but there's a lot of little things going on. But if you can, uh, and what you've done an amazing job is make it common man English where you can take action on it, and I think that's the difference. That was too hard because
2: I'm a common man. Yeah, <laughs> when <you> start out <laughs> freaking broke.
1: <laughs> the, the best ones always start that way.
2: Yeah, burnt out a lot of brain cells in that rock and roll band.
1: <laughs> so, uh, last thing you do, which if, if you could talk to a new person that's listening right now, uh, what advice would you give them? Well, first of all, uh, let's talk about the the time we spent in Hawaii there. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. And
2: you, and, you, and we had uh, we had a cook off, a cook off oh, and a drink off,
1: and yes. and you yeah. won the
2: drink contest.
1: Yes. Right? do you remember the name of the drink? Oh man, I cannot. Uh, something. Shut off the lights and turn off the lights and come to bed or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like an aqua blue color,
2: but the name of it. Uh, oh yeah, gosh, so that was something. Turn off the lights and come to bed. Yeah, you know, something like that. That was funny.
1: Oh, it was so fun. That was a great time, by the way. That was your. That was your. Uh, M- Is that L society. L society. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great time. That was another growth moment in my life. Right. That was uh, like, that was me thinking about, okay. And actually, Shelly, Shelly was so mad. She was in the cookoff. Oh, she was furious when she lost. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that girl is <was> competitive. <laughs> she was trying to convince me why she, she should have won that event.
1: Oh, I'm telling you, man. She's like, I don't <laughs> understand. I made a sauce. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, I get to know her well there. Oh, the, the, those are such good times. Listen, uh, thank you for those memories, man. And thank you for, uh, taking the time to give back, to teach others. Because I think, uh, you know, making money is great. But when you get to help others along the way, yeah. um, I know in your office you have a, um, uh, what's your little things you have where you have pictures World of everybody?
2: Fame. Yeah, the Wall of Fame. Actually, it's the entire office now. We've got so many different people that have done deals. You know, they send their pictures, pictures of them, pictures of the checks that. We, if you walk through this office now, you'll see
1: them on every wall. I think I'm on that office or on that wall. Uh, you are actually. Yeah, yeah. You're on the wall. <laughs> cool, brother. Well, listen, uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for showing up and uh, what a great gift to give. Again, take uh, Dave up on that offer. Listen, uh, you know, the Multifamily Legacy podcast, this is what we do. We bring great guests like David Lindall. you know, but it all starts in the beginning with belief. Uh, you've got to... Take your time, make your mind up, and do it, right? It's not what you think, or it's what you think in your head that makes the difference. And it's, it's if you can believe it, you can achieve it, and your paradise is absolutely possible.